Chief Zone is back. The Chief Zone podcast already back. Was not expecting to do a podcast this week. But as all of you guys know, there's been a lot of drama. Just see, it, it, it's like a soap opera. Whatever just happens with the Chiefs, more has to happen. Just when you think that they hired a general manager in Brett Beach to replace John Dorsey. All right, it's all good. We're putting it past us. No! Two big things happened this week that have uh, riled up Chiefs fans and... Look, I had some time this week. I, I really felt the need to do a podcast this week because a lot has happened uh, with Tamba Hali went off on social media. And if you didn't hear about this, even if you, even if you don't have a, a, a Twitter, um, you must have been under a rock the past five days because Tamba Hali went off on Twitter. He went on an hour and a half rant. In addition to responding to a bunch of people on social media who criticized him for everything he said. Plus, the Kansas City Chiefs have signed Michael Vick. Not as a quarterback, he's retired. But signed him as a coaching intern and a lot of fans take issue with that. Just seems like when the controversy, the drama is over, uh, more things have got to happen. Okay, let me just start off with this. I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think the whole John Dorsey issue was a major distraction, but it could be. Then you had Tom Bahali, and look, the Mike Vick thing. I'll get into it, but these things are just adding up, and everything that, that that's gone through the past couple of years with Justin Houston, his contract issues, uh, not coming to OTAs, Eric Berry. His contract issues and him also being unhappy with with that situation. Also skipping out on OTAs. Same as Marcus Peters skipping on OTAs. And you know he's going to be asking for a big time contract after this season. Which he will be eligible for a new contract as he would enter the final year of his rookie contract going into next season, the 2018 season. But man, uh, it, it just seems like it never ends. And kind of makes you wonder, how much of an impact will all of this play into the 2017 season? I, I originally never thought thought about this. It did cross my mind, but I, I, I just kind of brushed it off. And I, I've said on here, I don't think it's going to be a distraction. I've said it on social media. But man, it's, um, it's turned into quite a circus. Uh... Man, I would just hate to be a a, a PR member for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm sure those guys love their jobs. But, man, uh, everything you have to deal with this offseason and, you know, from Andy Reid having to address the media the way he did, he uh, visibly upset with the media constantly asking him about players not showing up to OTAs. The John Dorsey drama that went down. Now you've got Tom Bahali and Mike Vick added to the staff. Uh, it's just been kind of a PR mess. Some of it I agree with, some of it I disagree with. I'll get into all of that in just a moment. Facebook.com slash Vesugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. I'll be reading some of your comments on that page on this episode as you guys have had a lot to say about the Tom Bahali situation, the Mike Vick situation. We're going to get into all of that in just a moment. Also, Mike Vick signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get on that as well. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine247. 
21. And email me as well, farzine at farzinevesugian.com. Please make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play, other podcasting websites, and also let a friend know about it. Let them know about the Chief Zone podcast. All right, where do we start? Uh, I mean, this is <laughs> this is quite a um, this is quite a circus here. L- let's just start with, in chronological order with the Tom Bahali situation. I-, I was getting ready for work, and right before I leave, I see these tweets. People are retweeting Tom Bahali, and, I- and I'm thinking, what is he referring to? Because I only saw one tweet that was constantly retweeted. So I check his Twitter timeline, and I'm just noticing. That man, he is going off whatever the case was. I mean, any situation that came up with him. The timing of it was weird, which a lot of you guys agreed with and mentioned. He complained about his playing time last year. He played, what was it, 15 snaps in the first meeting against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was a Sunday night football game in week four. And then in the playoff game against the Steelers, the second meeting between Pittsburgh and Kansas City, Tom Bahali played only seven snaps. Now look, I, I, he, he never insinuated this. I don't know if this is what he was trying to get at. Uh, he clarified his thoughts on a Facebook Live video, but he was just upset because of the way the team lost in the playoffs. The, the, the frustration of losing to, in the playoffs and how they lost. It's just kind of weird that the playoff game happened, what, mid-March? Or, excuse me, mid-January, and here we are near the end of July. Training camp just about to get underway. What happened during these six months that made Tom Bahali go off this week rather than six months ago? So he went on and on about his playing time, and then... He started talking about players not being at OTA. So he called out Justin Houston, called out Eric Berry, Marcus Peters, because those were the three big players who did not show up to OTAs this offseason. Now again, going back to the Facebook video that he did on Tuesday uh, evening, where he clarified his thoughts, he he says that he did not mean to call anybody out. And I, look, okay... But then he, after he said that, he said, look, sometimes you got to point the finger and and say something. Well, if you're doing that, then you are calling them out. I don't know exactly what he's trying to say when he says, I'm not calling them out. You are calling them out. If you're referencing guys who didn't show up to OTAs and you're talking about how you've been in the league for 12 years and you want guys to be at OTAs, you're calling them out. And, and let me just go on about this for just Two seconds, because this was this was a hot topic for Chiefs fans this offseason before the big drama came underway with John Dorsey getting fired. I don't like OTA. First of all, I think this is the dumbest name ever. Offseason team activities. Uh, what the hell does that even mean? Who came up with that? Quite honestly, just call them spring, spring practice or offseason practice. I don't know why we have to have this fancy tar- OTAs and team activities. Uh, it's really the it's really training camp minus the pads and minus the intensity, of course. So I, I've never been a big fan of. I'm also not a big fan that they are 
optional because when Odell Beckham Jr., when he skipped OTAs, when Houston, Barry, and Peters all skipped OTAs, and we're talking about three pro bowlers from the Chiefs and arguably one of the best wide receivers today in the NFL for the Giants. So I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that it's going to impact how they do in the season, but I, and I again I don't want to repeat too much of what I said. But really, to me, I think OTA should be not let everyone work together on all of this, especially some of those rookies. I mean, I think coaching can be a big factor. And I said this last podcast uh, when I was doing the AFC West breakdowns. I mean, the people around you, I mean, especially on that Broncos defense, that Broncos secondary, some of those rookies are going to be playing with. You can learn a lot from those guys. You have Chris Harris, Akeem Tlaib. But look, the same thing can happen with Kansas City. You've got Eric Berry, you've got Marcus Peters, two pro bowlers, an underrated safety, and Ron Parker. Any rookie that's in that secondary, they can learn so much from guys like Berry, from guys like Peters. So I think OTAs, whatever you want to call them, they should be mandatory, I think. They should also be a little bit shorter because, look, in off, the NFL is one of those sports where you just don't get a day off. In baseball, you are completely away doing your own thing the entire offseason. Same thing for basketball. Despite a sh- much shorter offseason in basketball, uh, especially if you make it all the way to the NBA Finals. So in a lot of sports, when the when it's the offseason, it's the offseason. The guys turn in their materials, their playbooks, whatever whatever it is for each sport they have, their uniforms, and then they go home. Where I mean some of them live in the same town where they play, some of them go off uh in you know in the beach in Florida, California, wherever, wherever they're from. In the NFL, you come back you have to come back at some point because of the OTAs plus the mandatory minicamp. To me, I, I just think that's too much for players to really take. Have it be a shorter offseason practice and get rid of the stupid name. Just have it maybe be, what, three weeks? I think you can accomplish a lot in three weeks in the offseason. Maybe you can start training camp a little earlier in July. Now, I don't know how much the NFL Players Association will... Agree with that. Obviously, you know, my thoughts don't mean anything. I'm, I'm just a guy giving my opinion on this. But I think you guys get the idea. So I, I, I know I went on a little bit about that, but that was one of Tom Bahali's points. And I think, you know, it's been a big talking point. I don't know if the NFLPA would ever consider the restructuring of offseason practices and whether or not it should be mandatory or not. I think they should. Uh, I get that, you know, in the NFL, you want to strategize as much as you can, but I think it, it is a little too much for these players. Uh, maybe move the draft up a little sooner. That way you can have everyone during that three-week span that I suggested. Just a thought. Just a thought. Uh, anyway, going back to Tom Bahali, he, he, he just went on about his playing time. And here, here's my, here are my thoughts. He went on a couple of other things, which I'll get into shortly. If you disagree with him, fine. We Because I, I disagree with a lot of the stuff he said. Look, his, his production level has gone down. There's a reason why he did not have as many snaps. Yes, I know D. Ford was only dominant for the first half of the season, but D. Ford was 
I mean, he just had more of an impact last year than Tom Bahali did. That's the plain fact right there. Simple as that. At the same time, though, this is a guy who has been with the team since 2006, since he was drafted. He has never wanted to play for another team. He took a pay cut in, what was it, 2014 or 2015? I think it was 2015 because 2014 was the year Houston uh, almost broke the single season sack record. He took a pay cut to stay here in Kansas City and in a radio interview on 610 talked about how he wants the Chiefs to sign Justin Houston. And of course, Houston did score big on that contract. Uh, Eventually, Von Miller got a much better contract. We'll see Khalil Mack, what kind of contract he'll get down the road, but... Justin Houston, one of the highest paid pass rushers in NFL history. Now, things got a little interesting with Tom Bahali's Twitter rant because Bob Fesco of 610 Sports Radio, uh, who's also been a guest on this podcast before, he tweeted to Tom Bahali and said, Hey, look, open form on my radio show if you want it. And Tom Bahali... (laughs) He responded and said, you don't support me, Bob. Basically declining. Uh, he also went off on Adam Teicher a little bit because Teicher tagged Tom Bahali while explaining his thoughts and uh, Teicher disagreed with them with, with him. Tom Bahali responded and said, you never have anything positive to say, which quite frankly is true. Um, and, and look, I don't think Adam Teicher has a big problem with that, but I just thought that was that was funny to see him call out Teicher the way he did. A lot of fans supported Holly for that, even though they disagreed with a lot of his tweets. But look, I'll, I'll never, I won't criticize Tom Bahali for this because just purely speaking as a fan, this is a guy who took a pay cut to stay here. He has been here f- through some of the worst years ever. He has witnessed the good. He has witnessed the worst. This is a guy who was on the team when the Chiefs had the fewest sacks as a team in NFL history. This is a guy who is still here when the Chiefs had, what was it, a pair of two-win seasons. One of them being the year where they had the fewest sacks in NFL history. And then he stayed because he knew that there was something special with this team. And of course, you saw that 9-0 start. I know we can talk about the easy schedule and how a lot we faced a lot of backup quarterbacks that, that year to start off. But that 9-0 start, man, regardless of how it happened, was still special. Even if we knew that a lot of backup QBs were going to play, I don't think a lot of people would have expected the Chiefs to do what they did to start off the season. And I'll continue to say that as much as I can because... I, I don't think the Chiefs get enough credit. I, I don't think people realize outside of Kansas City how special it meant for the fans because this is a football town. Even when the team's doing bad, fans are doing something. They're flying banners over the stadium. They're creating Facebook pages to speak their minds and really just stand up for what they believe in because they want the team to do better. With all due respect to the Royals, and I know everyone's hot about the Royals here in town. Nobody gave a damn about that baseball team until they got to the wild card game. Even the year where they were on that search for that wild card spot, no one was attending baseball games at Kauffman Stadium. It took the wild card game plus that hot postseason to have 
such such a crazy number for attendance for the Royals. For the Chiefs, even though you did see a dip in attendance during the bad years, fans spoke up. Fans had something to say. I remember interning at Sports Radio 810 one year, and it was 2009. And one of my jobs was to screen the callers, put them on hold. When Keatsman went to a commercial, half the callers dropped because it was not worth it for them to wait. When they won, people called it. When I was working at 610, people called before Josh Vernier's 610 show got underway. My point here is, people in town care about this Chiefs team quite a lot, even during the bad years. When the Royals were struggling earlier this year, and I know they've done, they've come a long way this season, but earlier this year in 2017, when they got off to that slow start, there was no traffic. No one was attending. So it's obvious that regardless of which team has had better, more success lately, Kansas City's a football town. So you, you look, I, I think the appreciation needs to be there from people outside of Kansas City about that 9-0 start. And Tom Bali had a big hand in that. It sure as hell wasn't the offense that helped you get that 9-0 start. They had a factor in it, but not a big one, like the defense. Now, Tom Bahali, things continue to get it. I want to go back to uh, my comment uh, about Fesco. Fesco and Tom Bahali going at it. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, and I think it had to do with Bob Fesco's opinion about Penn State, but Fesco and Holly started debating about Jerry Sandusky and uh, Joe Paterno and the the events that went down at, at Penn State. Now, I know what you're asking. What in the hell does Tom Bahali's playing time in Kansas City have anything to do with Jerry freaking Sandusky? It has nothing to do with anything. For some reason, it was just brought up in the dialogue between Fesco and Holly. And I think there's a little history where Holly disagreed with Fesco on his takes about uh, Joe Paterno. Uh, And Holly... On his Facebook Live, and again, this is, of course, going off topic, but he did say, I will defend Joe Paterno. He is my coach. Look, I get it. You played for him. He he is a legendary guy. I mean, he really brought life to that Penn State football program, but I, I don't care how close of a connection you have to Joe Paterno, whether you're his family member, you played for him, you're, you're a diehard fan. Uh, defending Joe Paterno is just absolutely ludicrous. It just is. Uh, I don't want to get into that because that's not what this podcast is about, uh, nor is this Holly topic. It just came up, but that's the only reason I I wanted to bring that up as well. So you had that. So as if things aren't crazy enough with the Chiefs this offseason, now we have to include Jerry Sandusky into Kansas City's offseason discussions. Uh, So anyway... He clarified his thoughts on a Facebook Live uh, video where the point in his Facebook Live video was that he feels like he felt like the tweets were blown out of proportion and that he wants to win a championship here in Kansas City. Listen, he's angry about something. Why did he get angry six months later? I have no idea. Uh, Look, maybe it's human nature. Let's be honest. There have been times where maybe in the moment you don't feel angry about something. 
but maybe a couple of days, couple of weeks, maybe even months later, for some reason, it just ignites a fuel in you and you get upset about it. It's happened to me before. It's happened to all of us. So I'm not I'm not faulting Tom Bahali for that. In fact, look, if anything, I think he just proves that he wants to win. In his live video, he said that he is all in with the Chiefs. This is the team he wants to stay with. And even though he was calling out uh, some of his teammates and wants more playing time, he was asked about D Ford by a fan on social media. Uh, someone uh, on a, I'm not going to read the Twitter handle. I don't even know how to pronounce that, but his, uh, picture is a picture of Alex Smith wearing a Santa hat. I don't, I don't know the reference to that. Um, uh, he's certainly not Santa Claus for the chiefs, uh, during the winter time, but he did ask, do you hate D4? Tom Holly responded and said he will lead the league in sacks. So, um, kind of, again, kind of interesting. He says they were blown out of proportion. Look, he called out his teammates, um, not D Ford per se, but he he did praise D Ford in one of his responses. Look, he and you can just see the on-field chemistry. You don't have to be in the locker room. You can just watch this, and you can tell that Tom Bahali and Justin Houston have a strong relationship, a strong bond, chemistry on the field. The dances that they had choreographed in that Steelers game a few years ago on Monday Night Football, just the way that they have terrorized quarterbacks together. And I know we haven't seen this so much because Holly's been a little inactive. He hasn't played as much. His his production has gone down in addition to his playing time. And Justin Houston's been hurt a lot. So we haven't seen we haven't seen those two dominate like they did in 2013 and in previous years together. So look, I, I mean, by all means. Tamba Holly, and someone mentioned this on the Facebook page. Tamba Holly just has a championship attitude in that he wants to, he wants to play, he wants to win a championship, and he wa- he doesn't want to go anywhere else. He wants to do it right here in Kansas City. So this is all respectable, and I hope he does have a bigger impact with the team because I still think he's got it in him. Uh, I think there are a couple things he needs to improve on. He does tend to beat out offensive tackles easily, but when he gets to quarterbacks, occasionally. He just tends to miss and doesn't come up with the sack when he should. And that can be very frustrating for a defense when you have that golden opportunity to just take down the quarterback and bring up the next down also for a loss of yards. Sacks are a big thing in the NFL. They really are. All right, I want to read some of you guys' thoughts on Tom Bahali because a lot of you guys had a lot to say uh, about Tom Bahali and his Twitter rant. Um, I don't even know if we're going to get to all of the comments here. I, I'll be honest, I haven't even had a chance to read all of them. Uh, I'll just read a couple of, uh, for now. Blake says he's getting up there in age. He's needed in the standpoint to mentor the young players, but as a contributing player, um, not so much. He's past his prime. Dexter said he should have never been re-signed. Uh, Mike says, I can tell you our defense definitely didn't lose the playoff game to Pittsburgh. Um, but if uh, he says, if we would have went on, he might have not complained as much. Uh, Joe says, I think on a limited snap count, he could be fine to play. Always good to have a veteran like him on your side. Uh, Troy says, Bob Sutton isn't needed. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Uh, Chris says, I mean, if you look at his Twitter, all he cares about is his music career. LM says, with Justin Houston's weak knee, D Ford's slow development, uh, Tamba is still needed. Fair enough. 
Uh, last comment I'll read about Holly here. Uh, Seth said Holly took a pay cut to play, which I mentioned. He wants to play football. You have some of you guys really need to edit your sentences. He says uh, he wants to play football. You have players threatening a lockout because they don't have Brady, Tom Brady money or whatnot. I'm not dumb. I get it. He's up there in age. His knees are done. How how many players do you know took a pay cut to play the game they love? Nowadays, it's about the money, the passion, and it's all lost in sports. Let me just say this about people who are talking about him being a mentor. I don't think any player wakes up and says, I'm so excited to be a veteran leader and mentor a guy. No, everyone wants to start. Every single player has the goal of being a starting 22 for a football team. No one wants to be a mentor or guide a player. You have a coaching staff for that. So, look, again, I don't... Maybe the way he went about it, uh, I don't know. He, he One of the things that I didn't mention, he did ask the question, am I needed in Kansas City anymore? And I, I, I say yes, hell yes. Look, you can never have enough pass rushers, so... I mean, I mean, after D Ford's first half dominance, and again, I know he was very quiet the second half. I'm interested in seeing how the Chiefs handled these three guys. I mean, you've got three guys who are Pro Bowl caliber pass rushers. Tom Bahali and Houston have been to the Pro Bowl. As a matter of fact, Houston was going to be coming back, hopefully for a full season. He was a Pro Bowl alternate, as was D Ford. So these, it's not like the Chiefs have. A bad group of pass rushers. This, this is going to be interesting to see how Andy Reid and Bob Sutton and the rest of the defensive coaching staff try to handle the amount of usage, the amount of snaps each player gets from the outside linebacker spots. Andy Reid was asked about Tom Bahali's tweets and said they aren't an issue and that they'll they'll talk about him if they feel like it's needed. All right, I want to move on to the next topic. Uh Michael Vick, who, look, we all know about his dogfighting past. A lot of people are forgetting that Andy Reid was the one who gave him a second chance. And I'm not making I'm not making any excuses for Michael Vick and what he did, but I think we've got to keep one thing in mind because this has been brought up. Uh, by people who have defended Vic, and I can certainly understand this point, but there's a case to be made that growing up, Vic thought that this was an okay lifestyle, that this was that there was nothing wrong with this. And unfortunately, the way culture works all across the world, We grow up thinking certain things are right while other people look at the same topic and think that it's a wrongdoing in life. So not everyone grows up with the same ethics, the same standards. And again, by all means, this is not an excuse for Michael Vick. What he did was absolutely wrong and he absolutely deserved the punishment that he received. Spent his time behind bars, I think it was 22 months in Leavenworth. So... He 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 paid his dues. He he served his time. If you have an issue with the Chiefs signing Mike Vick, 
then you should have had an issue in 2013 when the Chiefs signed Andy Reid. Because all these people are saying, oh, he's a dog killer. Why do we have him protect your dog? I don't protect, I don't trust him with my dog. You should have said the same thing about Andy Reid in 2013 because he hired a dog killer. Oh, Andy Reid, this is the same guy who gave Mike Vick a chance. Why are we giving him a chance in Kansas City? That's what you should have been saying four years ago. You know what, as a, I, uh, I hate to say this, because as a society, I think we love to complain. We really do. Um, look, the only time I ever get offended on certain issues, I mean, it's got to be very extreme. People get offended over the color of a Starbucks cup during Christmas, okay? This is, this is our life today. This is society. This is tw- what it's like in 2017, And I really hope 20 years from now, people can look back and say, why in the F were people offended over a damn Starbucks cup? Because I think it's ludicrous that we get offended over stuff like this. Now look, I think in cases like this, it matters what your standpoint is on certain things. So uh, in this case, dogs, pets, I have never been a dog person or a pet person. Yes, I know, I know, I'm evil, I'm horrible, I'm not a dog person. Look, I don't, I don't hate dogs. I do have an issue with irresponsible dog owners that let their dogs loose and just out and about. I actually take huge issue with it if you let your dog loose and you let them pee on another neighbor's front yard. And I, I don't want to get it. I can go on a podcast about that. But point being here is, this is, I guess this is an issue where your your standpoint matters. Look. People have actually given me grief for not being a pet person. I know people who hate kids. And, uh, you know, people who said they never want to have a kid in the future. Which I think is crazy. But I don't don't criticize people for that. If people don't want kids, then they don't want them. You have the right to that. I never will want a dog or a cat or any pet. It's just not for me. Some things are, I mean, it's, everyone's different. So I know, I know I'm, I'm in a very tiny minority in that. And I'm fine with it. I don't, I don't care. I really don't. Again, I've said this before. What he did was wrong, regardless of my point of view on pets and animals. I I still, I still believe in animal rights, by the way. I think they should be treated right. Just because I don't like to own a pet doesn't mean I want to see them abused. Absolutely not. So I want to clarify that. Because I know I'll get tweets about it, like always. He he, he spent his time behind bars. Andy Reid gave him a chance in Philadelphia. And look, I know we were not really introduced to this. Because I think what happened in local media outlets and how fans thought, we did not know this back in 2009 or 2010. When Mike Vick signed with the Chiefs in 2009, in his first game being against uh, the Chiefs, and I meant to say the Eagles, his first game was against the Chiefs, there were Eagles fans that were irate about it. Now, of course, as time went on, when he replaced McNabb as a starter, he won the Comeback Player of the Year award and had a phenomenal 2010 season and helped the Philadelphia Eagles reach the playoffs. 21 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. He had a 100.2 quarterback rating, the best he ever had 
and he did it under Andy Reid, which I've said this a lot this offseason. A lot of players tend to have their best years with Andy Reid as their head coach. I mean, that's no accident. So Andy Reid, or excuse me, Mike Vick, obviously knows Andy Reid's offense. Having him on the team is a benefit. When you when you see the local media talk about the Mike Vick edition for the Chiefs, the number one emoji you see when you click like is that angry emoji. Get over it. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Who are we to heavily criticize guys for what they've done in the past? Now look, I know, I know. I mean, my mistakes are, man, I was five minutes late to work. Or maybe I made a comment to someone that I shouldn't have made. Those are my mistakes. You guys probably have similar mistakes that you've made in your history. I don't think a lot of us have ever done the things that Mike Vick has done. Or Tyree Kill. And speaking of Tyree Kill, I'm shocked that Chiefs fans of all fan bases are strongly against this Mike Vick edition when it was Chiefs fans last year who were offended by all the criticism Tyree Kill received last year by fans in the media outside of Kansas City. So the fan base that came to Tyreek Hill's defense, and again, strongly came to his defense, you're, you're just going to bash Mike Vick? And again, I, I let me just say this, and I said this on the Facebook page, I know that those are two completely different instances. However, they are both extremely horrible actions. So it's not like you can say, oh, well, Tyree Kill didn't kill anyone. He choked uh, his pregnant girlfriend at the time. So regardless, they're both horrible. And again, I'm not trying to make this an issue. I know this has been a topic Chiefs fans have hated to hear about, but I'm not I'm not criticizing Tyree Kill. I, even I defended him. So, you know, I think as Chiefs fans, I thought we were all unanimously agreeing that, yes, even though we did criticize the Tyree Kill draft pick early on, um, you know, his emergence got us to forgive him. And I think if anything, we I thought we were all in agreement that if the Chiefs were to sign another troubled player, or in this case, a coaching intern, that we would bring him on with open arms and be able to give this person another chance, which Andy Reid did for Mike Vick before. Andy Reid gave Marcus Peters another chance, and I know his off-the-field issues were also completely different, much different than Hills and Vick's. But at the end of the day, whether it was an extremely horrible wrongdoing or just a stupid mistake, Andy Reid is just giving out second chances left and right. And guess what? It has by far benefited Andy Reid and the teams that he has coached. The Eagles and the Chiefs. So for people who want to criticize this Vic move, fine. If you want to... If you want to boycott Chiefs games, look, uh, you're in a small minority. Uh, No one gives a damn. Get over it. I'll say it again. He... He paid his time behind bars. He did what he was asked to do. And guess what? He has not been in trouble since then. So get over it and move on. 
Mike Vick's part of the team, and I think he's going to be a big benefit. It, the reports say he was a summer intern, so I don't know how long he's going to be with the team. But I hope the Chiefs keep him long term because Mike Vick played for Andy Reid. Let's not forget about the last court, or not the last, but one of the quarterbacks who played for Andy Reid is now a head coach named Doug Peterson. Yeah, we all remember him. He was the offensive coordinator here. So this could be a guy who. Could be the next Doug Peterson. Who knows? And I know uh, Mike Vick is catching a lot of flack because of his comments about Colin Kaepernick and what he said on um, on that ridiculous Fox show, Undisputed, that I just don't even care to watch. They brought in Nelly to analyze Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. That's how ridiculous it is. But look, can we please just act like Andy Reid has never brought in a, a guy with a troubled past before? He's done it before and he's going to do it again. He's going to draft somebody that we may not like, and guess what? We're just going to come to love and forgive him eventually. So I've got no issues with Mike Vick. I asked you guys on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugi, and uh, nobody said anything negative about Vick. Everyone was defensive. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just addressing the wrong crowd. Maybe I've spent the last 20 minutes wasting my time on this subject. I don't know. Uh, but point being, uh, I think... For the most part, people who listen to this podcast, which I'm happy about, I think people are all understanding that, look, what he did was horrible. And again, he suffered the consequences, and now he's back trying to move on and avoid trouble, which that he has exactly done since he's been out of prison in 2009. All right, I'm not going to do the uh, segments that I normally do to wrap up the show the uh, Around the NFL Out-of-Bounds and Penalty Flag segment simply because this was an unexpected podcast. But I will touch on one other thing. USA Today released their 2017 projections for all NFL teams. Organize them by division and also mention who they think are going to be wildcard teams. Before I get to what they said about the Chiefs, I guess this might intrigue you. Uh, some of the things that that they have. The Redskins, they have them dropping to 5-11. and 11. The Giants as a wildcard team behind the Cowboys with an 11-5 and 5 record. The Packers to win the North with a 12-1 record. Same with the Falcons with a 12-1 record in the South. Uh, they've got the Jets as the worst team this year, which I agree with wholeheartedly. And the 49ers right behind them with a 2-14 and 14 record. Uh, speaking of the Jets, in that division, the East, every team except for the Patriots are expected to finish below 500. In fact, the Patriots are projected to go 16-0. One wildcard team, they have the Baltimore Ravens with a 9-7 record. In fact, both wildcard teams from the AFC have 9-7 records. The Chiefs are not expected to make the playoffs according to USA Today's projections. The Raiders are expected to win the division with an 11-5 record, followed by the Chargers of all teams with a 9-7 record, and they expect the Chargers to be a wildcard team. So clearly, the Chargers are USA Today's dark horse. Which, look, I mean, if you're going to predict a dark horse, you have to have a bold prediction. It can't be the popular opinion of... Uh, boy, I don't know. Oh, the Giants are going to be the Dark or the Cardinals. Because that's going to be a popular Dark Horse pick. 
the Chargers are far from a popular dark horse pick. No one universally agrees with that. They A lot of people think they'll be in the top five for a draft pick. So I feel like in terms of a dark horse pick, that's a valid one. Um, I guess whoever put these projections together, they're banking on Phillip Rivers to have a, a, a field day or a field season rather with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen staying healthy. Which I think that alone is a big stretch. But just my opinion. They have the Chiefs finishing with an 8-8 eight and eight record. And the Broncos right behind the Chiefs with a 7-9 and nine record. Obviously a lot of people upset about this when I ask them on social media. And, and people are often talking about, oh, who was wrong and who wasn't wrong. Well, no one ever talks about who wasn't wrong. They only want to talk about who was wrong. I got I got blasted because I picked the Raiders to beat the Chiefs in a game earlier this year. Or, or last year. And people called me a Raiders fan or, or that I should do do a Raiders own podcast. Uh, it's not the first time people have told me this either. Uh, look, uh if you want to criticize someone for for predictions, I challenge you to put predictions of your own and unless you predict every single game correctly, if you can predict all 256 NFL games correctly, don't criticize others for not being able to accurately guess how the season's going to go for, for for certain teams in the NFL. So look, I have no issue with USA Today and saying that they think that Chiefs are going to go 8-8 eight and eight or the Patriots are going 16-0, which, which essentially means the Chiefs are losing the first game of the season. Uh, but listen, uh, I remember last year ESPN had their power rankings and they constantly had the Chiefs behind other AFC West teams in which, of course, the Chiefs swept the AFC West. Let me just say this. I have never done this. I I still feel like you can still do this and generate discussion. But a lot of people, when they do their power rankings or their predictions, they will make a crazy ranking or a prediction just to get fans to talk about it. Just to get shares, clicks, and views. Now again, I disagree with it. I think there are other ways to go about trying to get people to discuss your article uh, I, I've, I've done it for sure while writing for Bleacher Report when I was covering the Chiefs and other outlets as well. There are ways to, to go about it. I don't think uh, what some, I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly feel like whoever put this projection together for USA Today saying the Patriots to go 16-0, I truly do believe they just did that just to get every single NFL fan to comment about this. Obviously, Patriots fans are going to love it and share it. And obviously, Patriots haters are going to share it and call this guy an idiot. So again, don't, please, please do not get fired up over a prediction. Look at the Kansas City Royals uh, earlier this offseason. Again, I'm going back to that because I think it's a perfect example. The Royals were in the World Series back-to-back years. Last year, of course, 81-81 and record. The Kansas City Star did a great article on every single MLB expert's prediction on the Royals. And out of the hundred or so uh, projections, only five or six predicted the Royals to make the playoffs as a wildcard team. Everyone else thought the Royals were going to struggle. 
And everybody, all the Royals fans were angry about this. And they thought there was a lot of disrespect that the Royals were not being given a chance. And look, obviously the Royals got off to a sloppy start and sure enough, fans were hiding from that. But now fans are bringing that up slowly and mentioning that no one's giving the Royals a chance. And look, I I do agree the Royals have been underestimated quite a lot, especially going into 2015. But listen, why are we getting fired up about predictions? Because the here's what happens. The rule is, if someone doesn't predict your team to do well, they're supposedly not a fan of your team and they hate your team and they, they root for someone else. And they're a fan of the, the teams that they expect to do good. These are people who are just expected to do their jobs and try to guess them as accurately as possible. They're never going to be 100%. An NFL quarterback is not going to complete 100% of his passes. Michael Jordan never made 100% of his shots. So look, people who criticize the media for being wrong at times, I I just think it's stupid. It really is. And it really shows just how annoyed some fans easily get. Going back to what I said earlier, people get offended over Starbucks cups. People get offended over sports predictions. I get it. We love our sports teams. I disagree with the 8-8 prediction. At the same time, given... All, all the trauma this offseason, maybe it could play a role into the season. Here's what's going to happen. If the Chiefs do go 8-8, eight and eight, nobody's going to want to bring this up. And here's what I'll do. If the Chiefs get the same record of 8-8, eight and eight, I'll share this uh, graphic again. I'll, I'll share it after the season. And I'll mention that a lot of fans get upset and say that the Chief, they always pre- predict the Chiefs wrong. So... Again, uh, I'd be intrigued to see how how fans would react to that because fans only want to talk about the media when they're wrong. And that's the truth. So again, don't get too fired up over a prediction. it's it's, It's all it is, a prediction. It doesn't determine how the season's going to go. Not one bit. That's it for this episode of... The Chief Zone Podcast. Unexpectedly did an episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Share it if you can on social media, Facebook.com slash Farzine Misugian. You can like my Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can also email me Farzine at Farzinevisugian.com. Alright, I did mention last week the next time I would do a podcast would be August 6th on Sunday. That's the next time you can expect the Chiefs on another, the next episode of the Chiefs on podcast. And I'll still stick with that. So the next time you'll hear from me, that'll be on August 6th. We'll, of course, talk about everything that's going on in training camp, any storylines, any news and notes, anything that's come up in St. Joe leading up to the first Chiefs preseason game, which is going to be Friday, August 11th at Arrowhead against the San Francisco 49ers. Again, once again, appreciate you guys listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Please subscribe, tell a friend about it, share it on social media. It's great for the podcast. Until then, I'm going to be in Vegas. Going to check out UFC 214 from the best sports bar in the world, Legacy Stadium. Check it out if you've never been there. You'll love it, trust me. It's a little pricey, but it's worth it. So I'll be there this weekend. Enjoy. If you're going to be in St. Joe, stay cool. I'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Take care.